It was October 26th of 1909. Splatters of jumbling and whispering overtook the station. A large crowd in Harbin Railway Station was collectively waiting for one purpose, to meet Ito Hirobumi. Hirobumi was on his way to finalizing an important decision, a decision that would ensure Japan's advancement over Southeast Asia. On the opposite side of the railway, a former Korean soldier, An Jung-gun, stood. He was a man willing to do anything for his country. He slowly reached for a handgun from his pocket. Gunshot overtook the entire station, turning the station into wild turmoil and chaos. After three gunshots in the chest, Hirobumi dropped dead. So what had happened? Why had Hirobumi been killed? In the year 1841, Hirobumi was born in the city of Yamaguchi. From a young age, he was described as an intelligent child, passionate about intergovernmental issues. Further into his life, he'd go on to become a samurai in hopes of simultaneously becoming a prominent political figure in Japan. Inevitably, in the age of 20, he was already working under the Japanese government. He was dissatisfied with the form of government, contributing to his involvement in the Meiji Restoration. The Meiji Restoration was a movement intended to overthrow Japan's feudal government and replace it with pure imperialism. Through territory acquisition, the imperial parties began to acquire subtle amounts of dominance over Southeast Asia. As a witness to the socio-economic change, Hirobumi aspired to establish an authoritative administration that would rule over Southeast Asia. Yet, this required one tough acquisition, the nominal colonization of Korea. Not only did Korea have an influential geographic location, but it would also give Japan a geopolitical advantage. Yet, there was a major problem. Asia had been a continent eyed by many countries. Essentially, Korea was the fundamental gateway to gaining influential power over Asia. Simultaneously, Russia was also plotting the plan to gain Korea's territory. Theoretically, Japan was out of options. Their only way to enter Korea was to make Russia withdraw from its intervention. Therefore, on February 8, 1904, Japan launched a surprise attack on Russia's harbor, Port Arthur. Ultimately, Russia single-handedly resigned from conflict, leaving Japan with a win. In 1905, following the Russo-Japan War, Ito had started to initiate his plan. To gain totalitarian regime over Korea, it was crucial for him to conquer the entire peninsula. Therefore, he threatened Emperor Gojong to sign Ulsa Treaty. This made Korea a legalized protectorate of Japan. Following the sign, Gojong would send 17 handwritten letters to global leaders worldwide. His plan would see its end as his cries for help were dismissed. The day after, headlines soared across the globe. The Japanese executed many tactics involving the use of propaganda. Following also treaty, Japan misinformed nearby nations that Korea's colonization was due to the need for protection and fortification from others. Although the imperialists gained hatred from Koreans, they gained admiration from others. The year after, Gojong was forced to abdicate his throne. This confiscated Korea's political and diplomatic freedom. With this newfound power, Ido deemed himself as the resident general. Through censorship and education, 
He ordered the burning of any books or media in opposition to Japanese imperialism. Beyond the censorship, any civilians or soldiers who resisted against the authority were massacred. From this perspective, Ito is characterized as a dictator who was the mastermind behind the massacre of more than half a million Koreans. However, in the perspective of Japan, he's viewed as a patriotic hero, one who brought pride over his country, formed allies, and strengthened socio-economic power over Asia. The aftermath of the international conflict was brutal for the colonized. Innocent civilians were obligated to change their names to correspond with the Japanese language. Plus, the government additionally implemented forced labor and long working hours. Therefore, as seen in the case of Ido, he simultaneously becomes a nationally acclaimed hero and a merciless colonizer. These details contribute to one big idea. History relies on perspective. One may see Ito as a hero, while others may deem him as a perilous master. This juxtaposition also applies to an influential Korean independence activist, An Jung-gun. An Jung-gun was born in 1879 in the city of Heju, North Korea. He grew up in a relatively aristocratic background, attended a private school, and conformed to relative Christian beliefs. When the Japanese invaded Korea, Jung-gun was an active protester for independence. Previous independent activists had made headlines for their death due to severe torture. Infuriated with the lack of progress, Jung-gun moved to Russia to become lieutenant general, allowing him to officiate attacks on the sidelines to Japanese troops. Despite his effort, he was outnumbered, and he decided to take a different route. In the early months of 1909, Jung-gun would cut off his finger and use his blood to pledge his indestructible loyalty to his country. The date October 16th of 1909, Jung-gun waited at Harbin Railway Station, anticipating the upcoming arrival of Japan's Prime Minister. As soon as he exited the train, he pulled out a gun and shot Ito three times in the chest until he dropped dead. The aftermath of the situation was controversial. Some newspapers scrutinized Jung-gun in the public eye for his atrocious crimes. Others commended Jung-gun for his brave act. In spite of their differing opinions, the world had one question. Why had An Jung-gun killed Ito Ferguson? During the interrogation process, Jung-gun was asked for his motive behind the murder. Had it been impulse or pure outrage? However, An Jung-gun provided the police officers a much more in-depth explanation. He now listed the infamous 15 reasons why Ito should be killed. Following this, Jung-gun would go and testify in a real court. However, his fate was already sealed. Jung-gun believed the Japanese were forging a real court experience for the sake of the media. Somewhat, there was credibility to his words. The court consisted of only Japanese lawyers, translators, and attorneys. After six grueling trials, he was ultimately convicted of death by hanging. Following the conviction, Jung-gun did a request for complaint for retrial. Instead, he made the final request to complete his book before his death. His final request will never come true. 한미 관계 같은 집단적인 트라우마는 아니긴 역사적 인식에 있어서도 피해자 입장에서의 관점과 고려, 깊은 헤아림이 없다면 어, 서로 간의 진정성이 있는 사회와 공존을 모색하는 게 쉽지 않을 수 있을 것 같습니다. If we consider the two cases of Ito Hirobumi and Anjun-gun, 
Both of them are frontiers in history who revolutionized their countries, with the best interests at heart. If we put aside coexisting cultural tensions, both figures are admirable characters who we can learn so much from. History itself is a resource where navigating truths are difficult. The lasting impact of the colonization reveals the inevitable misinformation that is spread when retelling history. Therefore, instead of meddling in perspectives of personal bias, it is crucial to appreciate the work Frontiers did for our history, our lives. Our future is unknown and uncertain. For some, it may look bleak and dark. For others, it may look bright and vibrant. Yet both pioneers showed hope for our country's future, our future. Regardless of the diplomatic fights and citizen tension, this rivalry and tension is incomparable and insignificant compared to the love both Ito and Andrew Gun showed for their country. This documentary is for them. For all the blood, sweat, and tears they dripped, this is for those frontiers in history who didn't gain recognition, but for those who powered through the darkest moments of human society by employing persistence, ingenuity, and overpowered love. This is for them, for being able to persevere until the end. All are frontiers. All are heroes.